fascinated by that whole concept of like sort of like guerrilla recording like I think it's really cool because recording has been such a like monster beast for me to try to conquer and I don't feel like I have yet mm -hmm. so I think my, my next project is going to be somewhat of a self-produced situation you're going to like learn how to kind of well I have my studio set up now finally so I'm just going to like instead of spending thousands of dollars for someone else to like press buttons who doesn't really care you know about the project <laughs> I'm just like gonna yeah well it's also it's getting easier I mean look at this it's just it's so easy yeah. I know and I've recorded some of my own stuff and it's like sounds pretty decent yeah and I mean when we record you this is a great mic I have this mic yeah this is one of my two mics there. yeah I got this I'm gonna say like almost 10 years ago oh wow this microphone served me very well yeah it's really good it's a good sounding mic yeah <laughs> And you use Audacity like I do? <laughs> I don't. I don't even use a computer. <laughs> I have a, um, a Tascam 2048 Neo. What is that? It's like a digital recording machine, but it sounds amazing, and I just, I don't know. I, I, you know. So it just creates a sound file that you, well, it's like, just, on a card? It's like, like a mixer. Like, so it has, like, you know, 24, 24, you know, faders, and I can you know, hooking all my stuff, my guitars, my keyboard, and I just build tracks and huh. yeah. So it gives me a little more creative freedom and it's really portable too. So I can like, I can take it to shows and I can control all my own reverbs and stuff. It's like, you should look it up. It's really cool. It's like, I got it at a pawn shop. <laughs> but so what I'm, what I'm trying to wrap my head around is, is how do you save that recording? Well, okay. It, it? There's like a, there's like a computer in there. So there's two hard drives like uh -huh. within the machine. Okay. So yeah, it just saves. On and the if you machine. want to access it, you like burns to disc. I can master mix and master okay. all on the machine and then just burn it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Wow. I know. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, I guess we've officially started. Okay. Cool. <laughs> These don't have any beginning. <laughs> um, it's uh, February 20th. 2015. You're hearing the voice of Katie Beck. What Do you say Beck? Boak. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Katie Boak. Mm -hmm. Probably should have looked that up. Or no, it's alright. It's a, it's a common thing. <laughs> I was like Beck, Boak, whatever. Yes. Like spelled B O E C K. C -K that's right. Mm -hmm. For those of you who want to look her up, it's a Dutch name. Yes. Um, and you're here because I'm trying to remember. Okay, so I saw you in Spring Awakening. Mm -hmm. Back in oh, that was a while ago. Do you remember? When Would that have been was? in the fall of last year. So. Somewhere between September and November. Yeah, so it was like six months ago. Yeah, gosh. And I just thought you, you did such an amazing job. And I, Thanks. And I friended a, a couple of you guys on Facebook in the mm -hmm. cast just so I could message you and, you know, just connect. And then fast forward like a few months, I'm watching the newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hearing this lovely version of Ave Maria, which um, is such an overdone song. Like it's used in so many ways. Yeah. Um, the operatic version, and then I hear this very nice, pure, poppy version, mm -hmm. and lo and behold, it's you. Yeah. And I was just like, hey! <laughs> I just saw that girl. I saw that girl. And then, um, and then you did a show a few, about, in November, right? Um, it would have been... No, it wasn't yeah, November. No, it no, no, no. Because been... I did my play. No, it would have been, like, play. late November, early December. It mm -hmm. was at your EP my... release party. That's right. Yeah. And so I went to that, and I brought some friends. Yeah. And it was great i mean so you're just you're incredibly talented in <laughs> thank that, you. and i wanted to have you on the show just thank you so much to talk to you about how you got to where you are now and sure, yeah. where you're going yeah um so let's begin at the beginning i guess where where are you from originally um i'm originally from 
well, my parents are divorced, so I, I grew up kind of between, you know, two homes, and my uh, my mom lives up in Pismo Beach, which is just, like, north of Santa Barbara, a little yeah. ways. I really... went to UCSB, so. Oh, so you know where it's at. Yeah. It's gorgeous, yeah. Um, and then my dad is from central Montana, so my summers and stuff were spent up, like, in the, the in dead the of, <laughs> well, the prairie, more like it. There are some mountains, but it's pretty, pretty wide open spaces up there, so uh-huh. I kind of got the best of both worlds. I got to be by the beach. And then go visit my dad up in the Montana central prairie land. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. You know, a part of me has always dreamed of a life owning a ranch up mm-hmm. in Montana. That's what my family, my family was home, homesteaders up there 100 years ago or whatever. So, um, I, I connect to that part of my, my history and I definitely feel like it influences, you know, who I am. So. Where do you, where do you call home, I guess you'd say? Like, where are you from? I mean... Um, I, I think I'm a California girl. I mean, okay. you know, I, I was born in California and spent, you know, most of my life here and, um, I live in LA now. I've been here for almost 10 years. So yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, where did you go to high school? I went to a high school up in central California called Napomo High School and that was brand new when I went. So we were, we were part of an area that had been like really rapidly growing and the one high school that was in the county was like so overfilled and so um i was the first class to go to a brand new high school so oh wow yeah it was a really unique experience and that's weird so you started what year Fre- freshman freshman year. year and you had no like seniors ahead of you so what they did was they basically took the sophomore the the sophomore class from the other high school who they so they went and spent like a freshman year at the other high school and then so our school started with only freshman sophomore and then as it progressed you know we after two years or so we got to be a full a full class but yeah it was it was kind of interesting and weird and <laughs> but also cool in a lot of ways we had like amazing teachers amazing facilities and like you know i was i played volleyball and i was in drama and so you know the people who were in that you know in that class really got the opportunity to like create those programs so it was cool that's awesome yeah so what were you like in high school like um what was i like in high school <laughs> you know i was pretty like I was pretty sociable. Like I said, I, I was involved in a lot of activities. I was really academic. Um, but, you know, I was kind of a floater. Like, I always kind of went between groups and, you know, I wasn't that concerned with, like, the social politics of high school, you know. Mm-hmm. I was always, like, ready to get out and kind of knew that I was, like, I always felt like my life would begin once all that crap was over. So, yeah, I had a good time, but I was sort of just, like, waiting for for that to end. And, you know, I, I had my sights set. I really wanted to go to UCLA, and so it was, like, I was working towards that, so. Well, and you got it. I did. You, I got in. You went to UCLA. I know. Yeah. yeah. I, it was cool. It was cool. I set my sights on that, and and I auditioned for the musical theater program there, and, and then I got in. So. That's right. You know Rachel Hirschleifer. Yes, I do. Right. Hershey, I love her. <laughs> yeah. She's amazingly talented. Yes, yeah. she is. We so. did cabaret together senior year, and, and she was... we did cabaret together <laughs> my sophomore year. I'd How say. funny is that? <laughs> she killed it. I mean, she was like... She stole the show in a lot of ways as, as one of the Kit Kat girls, because she was so in character. I mean, she had developed like a full-on dark person that was like living on stage, and it was really impressive. 
What was your part in Cabaret? I played Sally. So oh, you were Sally Bowles. Yeah. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. I had a um, black, short black wig with bangs, and I got, like, long green fang fingernails, so it was, like, I couldn't play guitar for, like, the whole time that we were in the rehearsal process, because I was just fully in in that mode. <laughs> did, you, so. did you go crazy? Um, <laughs> no, bit. but, I mean, it definitely, she's a, such a complex character, so I, I definitely, you know, I, I, it was my senior year, and I was ready to go out with a bang, so I, I gave it my all, and, and uh, definitely, like went in on that on that role and so while you were doing musical theater you were also doing your own songwriting yeah Yeah, I mean I had always I've always been a songwriter um as long as I can remember my dad was a songwriter and so it was just sort of something I was interested in and it was always an outlet for me growing up so when I got to UCLA um I was really inspired to keep writing and you know every dorm would have like a little room with a piano in it so I would always like you know, jump around to every dorm that had an available piano, like, in my free time, and I would go, and that's where I wrote a lot of my music that I, you know, obviously wrote wrote in college, and UCLA has this awesome program called Spring Sing, too, Mm -hmm. so I, uh, I was really pumped on that and wanted to perform at Spring Sing, so, yeah. Um, when you do songwriting, Mm -hmm. how do you start? Is is it a lyric? Is it a, a little riff on the guitar um for me you know it's a variety of things mostly it's a melodic idea that i get like i i've always you know i'm a singer first before i'm a before i'm a musician and so i consider my voice like my main tool for writing just because it's where i have the most creative freedom because i have the most experience as a singer so Usually it'll be a melodic idea that I get, and then I'll sit out down at the guitar. Other times it's a four-chord progression that I just, you know, end up stumbling upon. And rarely it's a catchy lyric or a title idea that I have that I build on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly it's a, it's, I start with melody first. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, who are your influences? I mean... Oh my gosh, they're so vast. Um, <laughs> I mean... It's really funny because, you know, I grew up listening to country music, being that my dad was a, you know, a Montana rancher cowboy. So I was exposed to all this amazing country music, old country. So like Emmylou Harris and Hank Williams and um, Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton. I mean, Alison Krauss was a huge one for me. She was just an album that my parents had that I was drawn to her voice so much. I loved the quality of it. And I really related because she has such a clear crisp tone and um so in terms of my early vocal influences i would say she's a huge one um joni mitchell i got into in high school i remember my mom tossed me blue and was like you're an angsty young woman you need to listen to this (laughs) and and i totally related i mean i'm still discovering things about that album that makes you know that just continue to reveal the layers you know of of that that worked to me so her and then you know i have this whole other side of like like some r&b stuff like i really you know love d'angelo and erica badu and india Ari and <laughs> i love tom petty i love fleetwood mac so much one of my favorite bands um so i'm sort of an old soul in that way like <laughs> you know the daughter of of you know the 60s 70s generation yeah. so have you seen sonic highways Oh my gosh, yeah. I've seen a couple episodes. I've seen the Nashville episode because I wanted to watch it before I went to Nashville recently. And I've seen New York and I saw DC. Did you play a Bluebird Cafe? I didn't play, but I did go to the Bluebird (laughs) because a friend of mine was playing and um, it was awesome. It was everything I would have hoped it would be. I loved Nashville so much. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, it was a great, it's a great town. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so talk about, I mean, what's it like being a, it's like a touring musician. I mean, you're not touring, you're, you're it's like, you know, you're going to all these towns and you're couch surfing and playing <laughs> shows and yeah. bouncing and living the vagabond musician yeah. life. What's, what's that like? Um, I mean, you know, I'm at an interesting point in my career. So, I mean, and within this next year, I'd really like to be touring more regularly. And sort of right now, what I'm doing is just going where I can go that I have opportunities to play. Um, you know, sustainable opportunities. And if I have a gig somewhere, I usually try to find other places in the area to try to, you know, capitalize on that. But I mean, it's amazing. It's super fun. I love, I love traveling and I love, I love taking my music to new, new places and new, new audiences that haven't heard it yet. So, I mean, honestly, I'd like to be doing more, (laughs) more of it than I, than I am now. So hopefully that will, that will be the natural unfolding path yeah well how does it work do you get an agent or a promoter that like i mean it's different for everybody and i can really only speak for myself um in saying that i i don't have um i don't have like a specific agency that i work with um but it's really been years of emailing and then if they don't write back going down to the venue i remember my first gig in new york i I had emailed Rockwood and I had emailed the living room and a couple other places and no one wrote back. And I was like, you know, sending videos and I was there for three weeks working on a workshop and I was like, I really want to play New York. And so nobody wrote back. So finally I just like walked down to Rockwood Music Hall, like found it somehow and was like, Hey, you know, is the booker here? And someone like brought Eddie out and, and he was like, what, you know, Hey, what, what do you want? <laughs> I was like, well, I've been emailing you and I'd really like to play here. <laughs> what do you want? Like, yeah, New York, like, basically. What? No, for what? real. I mean, that's what it was. But I think, you know, he was um, impressed that I had like taken the initiative to walk down there. And so then he was like, all right, well, what's your name again? And I'll find your email. And he found it and he ended up like booking me. So that was my first, that was my first sort of experience in like just gung ho, go get what you want kind of situation. <laughs> so that's really been, and now, you know, I have a good relationship with them and, and I play there every time I go to New York. So, um, and I have relationships like that with, you know, venues all over LA and up in Montana and down in Florida and Texas and a couple other places I, I've been playing the last few years. So, um, yeah. Well, I've, I've talked about this. Um, I had a dancer on a few weeks back that was on So You Think You Can Dance. Awesome. And, um, I love that show. Yeah, do you it's... remember her? Kayla Radomski? Uh, I don't know if I know her specifically. Five? Okay, yeah. I've skipped a couple seasons, but oh. Spencer Liff, we worked with Spencer on Spring Awakening. He was he's a choreographer who does all the Broadway stuff, so Gotcha. Um yeah, it's just I think it's such a perfect show. Like I love watching that show. I'm emotional yeah. every time <laughs> I watch that show. Like yeah. and I'm not every time I watch whatever American Idol or, or The Voice. You know? Interesting. Yeah. So you don't connect at all to American Idol or Star Search or anything? Nope. Star Search is so <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Star <laughs> Search. Hello. <laughs> um, I really don't, you know, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm a singer or whatever. And maybe... What about the first one? Like the Kelly Clarkson season? Yeah. Like season I mean, one. I think everyone was enraptured with that because it was so novel and it was this like, you know, they were like publicly like making fun of terrible singers and, you know, you know, exposing a really amazing talent at the same time yeah. so i mean yeah I, I think now it's just gone on for so long and it seems so sensationalized and there's a lot of like nuance for me that's missing from those shows because you know it's about viewer ratings and 
And a lot of the time, you know, it's about the singing. It becomes so acrobatic because the higher, louder, bigger you belt, the more impressive that's supposed to be. And um, yeah, so I like that. So you think you can dance highlight. It's just so dynamic and you see every different style. Dancers aren't necessarily getting up there and just like doing tricks constantly. They're like telling stories. And mm -hmm. I think that is so much more fascinating to me, yeah. you know? Well, so what, what she and I got into was the idea that, and in acting, um, which I guess you, you've already, you, you were on HBO. I mean, you've done it. <laughs> oh yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, there's like a, I feel like there's a ceiling to talent. You know what I mean? Like there's no one person is not like vastly more talented than everyone else kind of thing. It's like, it's 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 not quantifiable and yet we have these talent searches and everything and also right. in terms of making a career it's less about talent and more like what you did it's the go-getter it's it's and I like think, the yeah. look and the style of, or i guess in singing since it's you know all audio based yeah i mean i have two thoughts about that one is that you know people spend you know their a certain amount of time mastering whatever skill that they're they're working towards if you're a dancer you've got you know to get on that show most of those people have 10 plus years, you know, at a studio working, dancing constantly, 80 hours a week, whatever. And singers too. And so I think once you get to a certain level of mastery, yeah, I mean, when you say there's a ceiling, I do agree that there's like a point where this person is going to be equally as talented as this person, but maybe their gifts are just completely different. And so then it becomes about the emotion and what that person is like bringing to the table and, you know, what they're just viscerally trying to express you know that pure expression and i do think that you get to a point where you've put so much work and you've studied and you've you've done everything you can do that you get to the place where you can just let it go and that to me is like so beautiful to watch um and i forgot what my other point was <laughs> which was what, what were you saying about um what was that point you just made that um being a go-getter it's more about a go-getter oh, right. look and like right well unfortunately you know Sometimes, yeah, I mean, the marketing, this is something I'm learning too, because in this day and age, if you want to be successful in this industry, you kind of also have, you have to wear so many hats. You can't just be like, I sit and write my songs and play them for people. Like, if you're getting started before anyone has any desire to invest in you, you have to be a marketer, you have to be a business person, you have to, you know, be a, an agent and a booker. And, you know, I really wish I didn't have to, like, I, I'm not good at marketing. And I mean, that's not something that I went to school to study. So mm -hmm. everything I'm doing to like help myself in that way is, is just like flying by the seat of my pants. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm learning some tricks, but it's not really like what I want to be focusing on necessarily. And, you know, somebody could be great at marketing and not that great at their artistry and, and do really well because they've got some really cool vine gimmick or, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so, yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting time in the world where anything goes and anything can happen. And I think that for anybody who wants to be in this industry, it's just, yeah, like really working hard, having discipline and digging deep to like find that piece of you that is your own expression and and really like working just to be heard and get that out there you have to make yourself available if you want if you want other people to give you those opportunities so mm -hmm. yeah i mean how's it going are you are you feeling like you're accomplishing and like you're getting there and you got yeah. a fire in your belly and it's going well yeah yeah i mean <laughs> i 
I do. It's it's funny. Like it this this particular moment in time does feel like a bit of an interesting place because I do feel like the work I've done, you know, in the last five, six years has like led me to this point and I've had a couple really cool opportunities and it does feel like I'm in the process of carving out a really unique career for myself and I'm excited about that because I don't want to have to choose between music and theater. I don't want to have to choose between, you know, Broadway and touring life. I want to be able to do it all. I really believe that that's within me and I like having all of those different sort of platforms to explore and express myself with so you know if I get sick of trying to figure out who I am as an artist and how do I express my you know myself through this album I can like you know go do a stint at the Wallace Annenberg Whispering Awakening and and embody this other character and work with Deaf West and you know that's just a completely different and yet you know it's still a part of me so yeah yeah I do feel like I'm I'm getting there, you know? It's yeah. like it's like every year, you know, more more and more people start to, you know, message gets spread and people hear about it and that, I mean certainly the newsroom was was really awesome. That was like some great exposure for me and and I'm so grateful for that, you know, opportunity because I was able to sing that song really in in my way. I did it the way that I would do it. Um and it resonated with a lot of people, so yeah. How did that happen how did that opportunity present itself um really it was it was luck in a lot of ways it was i have some really amazing friends um the story goes that um the director of that particular episode was a man named anthony hemingway and he had previously worked with a really good friend of mine named leslie odom jr who is amazing um married to my best friend who's also amazing nicolette robinson and they both are actors, singers, um, they're living in New York now, both on off-Broadway off shows, um, and just good friends of mine, I sang at their wedding, like, so, um, anyway, Anthony Heming- Hemingway reached out to Leslie, like, hey, I need, I need a girl to sing Ave Maria for this episode, do you know of anybody, and so Leslie gave him my name, and, um, messaged me, and was like, learn Ave Maria if you don't already know it and call him right now. And so I did, I, I went onto YouTube and I was like overwhelmed cause I didn't, you know, it wasn't previously in my repertoire. And so I, uh, <laughs> I went online and was just overwhelmed with like every version that's ever been done. There's like two separate versions. There's like, you know, so I gravitated towards this Joan Baez version being a folky mm-hmm. and um i just basically like listened to that transcribed some of the guitar and i sang it in german originally and i made an iphone recording and i sent it to anthony hemingway and he loved it and he sent it to aaron sorkin and aaron sorkin approved and then they were like just learn it in latin because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was you know for a catholic service and uh so i did and then i went and recorded it with a man named jeff beale who's an awesome uh, film television composer and then we filmed it uh, a couple months later and yeah oh, the rest awesome. is history yeah it was really cool yeah i think i uh, when i checked this morning it's got like fifty thousand views on youtube which is yeah fifty thousand views awesome. on youtube and then i i it really worked out because you know it was a public domain song so i was able to make my own recording of it and you know after the show aired everyone was like you know where do i get that recording and yeah. i wasn't able to provide the one from the show obviously because that belongs to hbo but um I did my own acoustic version, and I think that has, like, almost 75,000 plays and streams on SoundCloud. So, nice. yeah, it's cool. I'm, 
I'm very grateful for that. Do you have anything else coming up that we should know about? Or? Um, just this this stint at uh at the Wallace with with Def West. That's um perfect segue. Yeah. Let's talk about Spring Awakening. Uh, okay, I mean, cool. I would love to. I mean, that was first of all, a lot of people that I talked to have heard of this production, which oh yeah, is very it's very rare that I just go and see a production that like I'm able to talk about with other people. Right. Um. And um, I actually know about that production because you, uh, your assistant director, Skylar. Oh, cool! Um, I teach. I've been teaching her voice lessons recently. Really, Skylar Holford? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so I saw that production, which was, it, I mean, it's, it's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible production. I mean, Michael did such a great job with yeah. it. Um, it's directed by Michael Arden. Mm-hmm. Um, and who I love, I love Michael Arden so much. <laughs> I mean, I think everyone lo- after seeing that show, how can you not? Yeah, it's, he's it's, he's amazing. It's really incredible, and I've heard of his other theater work through Skylar. That like mm-hmm. the Forest of Arden, yeah, yeah. All the all their work is just great, and um, and you got a you now have a it got it's getting remounted. Yes, at the Wallace Annenberg. Yeah, um, performing arts center in uh, Beverly Hills. Uh huh. Um, when does that start? Um, I think we start rehearsals end of April, and then it opens at the end of May, and it runs through June. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope you all get your tickets for that. Yeah. not to be missed. <laughs> there's only 22 performances, so... And yeah. um, for people who haven't seen a Deaf West production, it's done both in sign language and in English, like spoken English. Yeah. Now, do you speak sign language at all? I, um, I don't remember if you did any I, in the show. In the show, because, you know, basically the role that I'm playing in the show is all, all of the deaf actors, um, because some of the characters have been changed to, you know, be portrayed with, um, you know, with deaf actors. And so those actors have voicing counterparts who are also musicians. And so it's such an amazing, unique production where I basically get to share this role with this incredible deaf actress, um, Sandra Mae Frank. And um, so she's she's really the one that's in the action. She's, you know, she is Vendla. Um, but I sort of get to follow her around in this really amazing sort of spiritual way. You know, I'm sort of like her... Her conscience, her guide, her it's like a other disembodied half. voice that like follows exactly, you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of what it is. And I get to play all this amazing music that Duncan Cheek wrote, and so I'm wandering around with various guitars at different times. And um, so I personally don't get to do much signing because I'm playing. But um, we all were in a sign language intensive, and we worked, you know, closely with the deaf cast and with the interpreters in the room. So I did pick up, um, you know, quite a bit, but. I'm I'm so excited about getting back into it because, you know, that whole experience was just so profound for me being, being somebody who has created my entire identity around my ability to hear and, and to sing and to use my voice. And, you know, I just, I learned so much about the power of stillness and silence and, and about expression without having your voice you know how do you how do you make yourself heard when you can't use your voice and it was just something I had taken totally for granted until I had this experience so yeah it's been amazing and I I hope that it grows there's you know there's talk about it going to New York etc etc so I'm totally in it for its entire for as long as the journey will will take us for sure yeah um what was the rehearsal process like in terms of creating the show was it like, how did you guys go about the staging? And, and I mean, there's so many 
great moments and, <laughs> and like the whole idea of the disembodied voice following everyone around was that was Michael shaping that or was that you guys kind of played um it was so well it was really hard first of all the rehearsal process was very challenging um in you what know, way um what? well just that you know, like like I was saying, there's so many things you take for granted in a rehearsal process. Like if you're in a number and you're you're working on a you're working on some choreography and you want to just go back eight counts. Well, how do you explain what eight counts is? You know, how do you explain rhythm? You know, so mm -hmm. there's a lot of like everyone in the room has to really be focused, like very intensely, because as soon as one person you know starts having a side conversation or starts signing in a side conversation it's so hard to get everyone's attention you know so oftentimes it's a it's a lot easier just to go back to the top you know like and just start you know start the piece from there so that everyone's on the same page and everything just takes you know a little bit every, everyone has to be really patient and and compassionate and loving and you know there's a lot of like you know viewers won't be or listeners won't be able to see this but you know like the ready sign you know is everybody ready are we all ready to you know to go so and in terms of how the con like conceptually how the show came to be i mean that wasn't i don't think that was originally the vision and michael has even said like the show turned out completely different than i had you know visualized but he was you know he was obviously so happy with the way yeah. it turned out but originally the band was just supposed to stay in the band section and not really move and we we're just going to speak from there but you know, I won't give it away, but the way the show starts, you know, he really wanted it to be clear that this character was going to be speaking for this character. And eventually it just became part of it that we would, you know, accompany our cast members if it was appropriate for us to to follow them around, to guide them, to be next to them. Um, he came up with some really creative ways of of showing that concept, so... Yeah, it was just an, a process of evolution. I mean, just rehearsal and experimentation and trying things out, being brave, and if it didn't work, try something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's still, it still, <laughs> it, it haunts me in a good way. Good, like, I'm a, so glad. It's such a great show. I'm so glad. Um, now let's get to your music, I guess. Okay. Um, so you recorded an EP. I did, called yeah. Called Speaking of You. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which it's very great. I highly it's on iTunes and uh -huh. <laughs> everybody should download it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, I had made two records prior, but I was a lot younger and I wasn't really, you know, as artists we're our own worst critics, so I wasn't really happy with them. And um, I had been to India and I had written all of these songs based on my experience there, and I really wanted to get them recorded. So I did a Kickstarter and. I was so scared. That was one of the most terrifying things ever. It was like uh, asking people for money, you know, but okay. I had such an amazing community of people turn out and I raised about $5,500 and I went into the studio. I recorded at this place called The Fortress in downtown LA. Um, and I had, at that point I'd been playing shows for about two years with a full band and I just didn't have anything to give to people who were coming and the shows were getting bigger. So I was like, okay, it's time to get into the studio. And so we recorded um six songs and uh yeah it's called speaking of you and did you the the guys who play behind you don't they they have a name don't they? um they're not they're not like their own band or oh, anything okay. um but they're awesome joel gotchalk on bass will harrington on keys adam tressler on guitar and rob humphreys on drums yeah really awesome amazing amazing players yeah. i'm so grateful to have yeah yeah um what brought you to India, by the way? I remember you told the story, behind, <laughs> oh. the story behind Victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I 
wanted to cover that. What, oh, yeah. What, what took you to India? You know, it was a really weird experience, but um, basically I was like, you know, about six months out of college, pretty, pretty, you know, confused about my direction. <laughs> Not sure what I was doing. I was living in Laurel Canyon in this like rundown old castle house with a bunch of like hippie girls <laughs> and like lugging my keyboard down to sunset boulevard trying to like play shows at like the libertine which was just like a bar basically and um i did an open mic once actually over here on the west side in marina del rey and because someone was like hey you should you should go do this thing there's some there's a cool open mic you should do it and i just took him up on it and went and there was a guy there who um was working for uh, like an entertainment company. So he books like international acts um, like over in Asia. And so he was like, hey, I'm putting together this girl group to go to India for three months um, to perform at like weddings and festivals. And we need like a lead singer, multi-instrumentalist, you know, do you want to audition? So I auditioned. I think I sang like a Katy Perry song or something. And, um, and he hired me. So... It was weird. It was like within a month, me and four girls that I had never met previous to this um, rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed, learned a bunch of songs, a bunch of Bollywood songs, even some like choreography. And, you know, a month later, we were like standing at the Mumbai airport like, holy (laughs) crap, I can't believe that we are here right now. Like, it was just so surreal. And then once the contract was up, we had all been granted six-month visas because I think that's, like, the standard time, you know, that you get a work visa there for what we were doing. And um, so I had met I had met someone and decided to stay. So I stayed for another two months and did some traveling. And, um, I mean, it was definitely a – it was a life-changing trip for me in, in many ways and, and another, just another experience that I'm so grateful for. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, um – why don't we play some Play songs? some music? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, since you mentioned Victory, I figure I'll play that one. Um, this is on the album, Speaking of You. And quick backstory, um, I wrote this after being in India, and I had met a Spanish guy who was there working for the Spanish consulate. And I always joke that it was like, eat, pray, love. You know, it was like, it was just like that experience, you know, totally awesome and amazing. Um, but then my... My visa was about to expire and my cousin was getting married, so I had to come home. And we had made all these amazing plans, you know, to meet up in Spain in six months. And, um, of course, I was very naive and um, I did not, uh, that obviously that didn't happen. And he ended up meeting, um, not meeting, but getting together with one of our, actually our mutual friends who was also like in the expat community in Mumbai, um, a, a really beautiful French girl. Um, but I don't feel so bad telling the story because basically what ended up happening was after her time had run out and she went back to France, he ended up going to Denmark and he met a Danish girl there. So he basically did the same thing to this French girl that, you know, he did to me. So her and I are like kind of, you know, friends now on Facebook and stuff. And we, we joke about it. Um, but, uh, this was written in the, the heat of, of heartbreak. So <laughs> this is called victory. in the rising sun 
says he'd follow me, you wouldn't follow anyone. Each time you tell me, I just want you to be happy. I get angry, yeah. She's back in her bags already. Guess I missed my opportunity. Gypsy man, I know you loved me for a minute, but that dirty backpack ain't got nothing for me in it. So carry on your merry way. I'm so glad I didn't stay. Carry on and conquer another one. Whoa, get on board the jet plane. Baby, you could be the king of Spain. Oh, victory is calling out your name.
great. Um, one of the things I I tell my friends when I talk about you is is I you know I play guitar and I've been playing it for fifteen years now. I'm no by no stretch of the imagination a virtuoso or anything, yeah. but like I'm just I'm I love seeing guitar players like you. That just you make it so effortless, and I'm so jealous <laughs> and envious of the way in which you play. I, Thanks. It's really good. Thank you so um, much. Thanks. Now, the current episode that's up um, is a friend of mine, Rachel Milan, who's she's done singer songwriting stuff. She's not quite pro- promoting herself as a musician. Sure. Um, she's a teacher or going to be a teacher soon. Oh, nice. But yeah, she also wrote a song awesome. about you know heartbreak, and, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, mm-hmm. does the guy know that you wrote this song about him? Um, I think he does, only because some of my Spanish friends over there like told me they had sent it to him. <laughs> um, but you know, like he was always really supportive of me and my artistry, and always like you know he would always be like, "You're such an artiste," you know, like <laughs> because he was like you know he was like really in the he wanted to work for the UN and you know, really into, like, uh, political science and stuff. And so he always, like, loved that I was an artist. So I'm sure he's heard it. <laughs> if not, <laughs> I'm you know, the one thing is that one line about speaking a language, you know, a different language, it's really true. I mean, we spoke mostly in English, but music was one thing that it was really hard for him to understand English when I was singing. So I'd always have to, like, really break down the lyrics if I wanted him to know. So, frankly, I'm not that worried about it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I I, had, I didn't send it to him myself. I just but. couldn't imagine what it would be like if someone wrote a song about me. I like... know. It's like the Taylor Swift thing, you know, like, <laughs> write a song about every relationship you've been in. But, you know, it really is, in, in a lot of ways, it's the best therapy, but it's also the best revenge, you know, like, being able to <laughs> write, you know, to write your feelings down like that and have it feel like it did when it happened and... You know, it it sort of like immortalizes that moment in a way and allows you to move on. It's very cathartic. So, yeah. yeah. Something else. Something else. I could yeah, do something new. I could do something from the record. I could do. It's up to you. What's um, What's your favorite to play? Is it Victory? Um, I love Victory. I always play Cold Water, but I think I might do something new if you don't mind. If that's okay. <laughs> you can You can do whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been working a lot. Um, uh, I've been co-writing. A lot lately with a f- uh, well, he's my boyfriend, but um, his name is Joseph Coons, and we've been we've been writing a lot of stuff together. Um, so I'm really excited about some of this new stuff, and hopefully it'll end up on on the next project. So um, this song is called "The Brighter Side," and um, it's sort of about um, my struggles with remaining optimistic, you know, um, and it's sort of a existential musing on on positive thinking, so here it is. Let me try that again. He always plays these fancy riffs, I never do. As you were playing that, I was just like... I know. Like, like, I can play like that if I, like, really, really... Like, <laughs> like yes. practice that over and over again. No, it's the same for me. He yeah. He's the effortless master. I really do have to... But he's been teaching me a lot, so... Um, yeah, anyway. shout, shout out to him. Here we go. Let me see if shout I can out. nail it. I'm only seeing As far as my eyes will let me Only believing as much as my mind can 
Everything and anything at all It's like I've been dreaming Something inside me is dying to wake Oh, sun, you always seem to shine So could you send me down a sight I'll come around another time and I'll be satisfied Cause I'm gonna be looking on The brighter side These days we borrow They pass with every minute that we waste And sure there's tomorrow We shouldn't rely on it's never You need room to grow You pull back that arrow But you haven't the faintest idea Which direction you're aiming to go Oh, son, you always seem to shine So could you send me down a sign I'll come around another time Cause I'm gonna be looking on the brighter side mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, sun You send me down a sign Come around another time And I'll be satisfied Cause I'm gonna be looking on The brighter side Oh yes, I'm looking on The brighter side <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, I just <laughs> very happy right now. Aww. I, that, I don't know. Thanks. Um, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> if it renders you speechless, that's good. That's a good. No, thing. yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's something about your music, the way you play it. It's just it makes me very present. I don't know why. Oh, like I got so much going on right now. Wow. Like, so much. I told you they got the film, and I got, right. I'm organizing a children's concert that I gotta go do in a wow. second. Wow. I don't care about any of it. <laughs> now, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> well, being present, you know, is something I'm constantly working on because it's really not, it's not a strength of mine, and it's something I have to do, like, every day, like, sit by the window and drink my coffee and, like, take my morning in, and, you know, it's hard when you sit down to write songs and your your mind is so full of of the daily grind, you know? It's it's really hard to be a young person and try to be a creative, you know, successful person. It, it really is. And, you know, 
that's exactly what that song's about, you know, just like, what the heck am I doing with my life? And like, how do I, how do I make sense of all of this? But yeah. no, thanks so much. I yeah, appreciate um, that. You should listen to your own music. <laughs> right? you more it is. I mean, that's what I, that's what I write it for. It helps me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, you, you said you have an appointment at one? Yeah. I've got a lunch at one. So, so you have to go. Yeah. Uh, Only two. I yeah. know. Um, okay. Well, everybody download speaking of you um do you have any shows coming up any dates you want to plug actually um i'm sure this won't be up today but i have um yeah, yeah. i'm playing a show tonight at El Cid, and then um room five so today is march 3rd mm-hmm. or this is dropping on march 3rd yes and you have a show on march 12th march 12th at room five 10 o'clock it's a thursday night um and that's kind of midtown so great yeah come check it out Everybody go see see Katie. (laughs) Um, Now the only thing left to do is the sign off. All right, you got to sign us off. It's a little you got to you got (laughs) to. Is there is there a special way to do this that every guest does? It's in your own way. Okay. So the way I did it in the first episode Mm -hmm. and it just stuck because I felt so awkward and uncomfortable at the end of my first episode. (laughs) I was like, I don't know how to end it. How do I? And I just went side kickback radio. Watch out! Sidekick back, sidekick back radio, watch out. And yeah, do you, you do your own little karate chat. Sidekick back radio, watch out. Was that good? Was that good? Okay. <laughs>